BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump insults another gold star family. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Are you surprised? It is a Wednesday, October 18, and this is The Bill Press Show. How about it? Great to see you today. It's good to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here. As we come out to you live from our nation's capital, joining you everywhere in this great land of ours on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show and on Free Speech TV. It's good to have you with us with, again, uh, you know, as long as Donald Trump's in the White House, we will never run out of things to talk about because he will continue to make a fool of himself every day as he has done so now for uh, 10 months. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of the program uh, here from Washington, D.C. The big stories, of course, yes, according to a member of Congress who was in the car uh, with a gold star, a widow of one of the uh, U.S. soldiers killed in Niger um, maybe 10 days ago now, Uh, Donald Trump making some very insensitive comments uh, about uh, about the soldier's death. Um, also, Donald Trump saying yesterday that he not only supports the efforts by Patty Murray, Senator Patty Murray, and Senator Mar- Lamar Alexander uh, to reach a compromise on keeping Obamacare alive. He said it was his idea in the first place, which, of course, it was not. So much to talk about. We'll jump right into it with you. We want to hear from you about your thoughts on the news of the day. Give us a holler at BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. You know, on Friday, it was Tiffany Trump's birthday. One thing that we know about Donald Trump is he loves social media, and he loves to wish people happy birthday on social media. But he didn't wish his daughter Tiffany a happy birthday on social media. She turned 24 years old. Did he forget it altogether? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I would probably say yes. Uh-huh. But she had gone out of her way to wish him a happy birthday on Instagram back in June. Uh, the president has also wished happy birthday to Ivanka, Melania, Donald Trump Jr., Eric. He just 
Miss Tiffany. Forgot. She is the forgotten Trump. Tiffany, without a doubt. And, like, she's here in town. Yeah, at you know, Georgetown. Yeah, and she just gets no no love from her dad. Yeah, it's weird. You know, this is a story I think should be getting a little more news. Trump has been given a subpoena for uh, a, a sexual assault allegation. A woman came forward, used to be on The Apprentice. She says that... Donald Trump uh, sexually assaulted her, accused Trump of kissing her and grabbing her when she went to his bungalow in the Beverly Hills Hotel back in 2007. He said that he wanted to discuss a possible job at the Trump Organization. She had made this accusation before the election. Remember, there was a sort of a weird period there where Alicia Machado had come out and talked about right. Donald Trump, yeah. and other women came forward and talked about the sexual, some sexual assault allegations. She was one of them. Well, she's following through and actually uh, suing him. So, look, we'll see where this goes, but I think that's a pretty big deal that the president of the United States is being looked at for this. Uh, and I saw that um, you know there's this one woman that uh, Attorney Gloria Allred is yep. representing. And they filed a lawsuit for some for, to do a deposition, and um, Donald Trump is alleging that, as president, he is above the law. Uh, Bill Clinton tried that. Oh, we remember man. the whole Paula Jones case. Yeah. Supreme Court already ruled. Yeah. No, I mean, it, look, this is a really—I mean, amid all the talk of Harvey Weinstein, and now his brother apparently has been accused of sexual assault, and them trying to tie that to the Democrats, it's— Important to remember that we have someone who has been accused of sexual assault numerous times as president of the United States. Commander in chief. Well, who has bragged, bragged about, bragged about sexual assault? On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. What do you say? Here we go, folks. Good to be here with you. Good to be back with you. It is the Bill Press Show on a Wednesday, a big Wednesday, October 18, the middle of the week here. Uh, and I want to give a little shout out to Evan McMorris Santoro and Igor Volsky for uh, filling in, coming in, sitting in while I was uh, off to Charleston, South Carolina for a couple of speeches at the Citadel. I've been to Charleston before, but never at the on the campus, that historic campus. Uh, uh, a great cadet corps down there. I uh, had uh, a couple of interesting, very interesting conversations with them uh, in a classroom setting and in a lecture uh, in the evening. Uh, and I have to tell you, um, you know, I was a little apprehensive after all. Um, I, was a, I am a Yankee, uh, and here I was on the campus whose cadets fired the first shots in the Civil War. That's it. Uh, they went down there. Excuse to, me, the War of Northern Aggression. Uh, thank you, yes. Where I'm from. <laughs> or the war between the states. Sure. Whatever. Uh, I went down there to Battery Park, and you can see Fort Sumter, and you can see where they fired from. Uh, so even with that little, and being a Democrat in a very red state, a little apprehensive going down there, but uh, uh, the people are wonderful. The people are welcome. I had a great time. And Peter... I hate to say this because I know it's your native city, but Charleston is a beautiful, beautiful little city. And <laughs> why do you uh, hate to say it? Well, because I, don't, I was waiting for you to say that it was a complete dump. I know. <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want to, uh, you know, build you up here, and make you think you live. <laughs> in, but you did grow up in a very special town. It's gorgeous. It it's is gorgeous. No matter what time of year you go, it's gorgeous. And they've 
great people, great restaurants, yeah, a beautiful little setting, and uh, and the homes, the architecture. You ever been there, Jamie? Never been. Got to go. It I know. Is, it is. You got a standing good. invite. At some and point soon. and the the way these the way they built their homes, so the narrow end of the house is facing the street, which means the whole front of the house with these magnificent porches and columns are facing the garden, and every one of them has a beautiful garden. So it's sort of neat. They just put that, you know, sort of the ass end of the house right on the street. <laughs> and, and which, so why should people on the street see all the beauty, right? Yeah, right. And then people say, Screw them. The yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they're, they're very, very, I just love walking around there. Had a had a great time. And now back with you with all the news of the day. And the only regret I have about going to Charleston was that I missed that uh, uh, unbelievable, um, you can't call it a news conference. It was just sort of like a free-for-all in the Rose Garden on Monday with uh, Donald Trump there with Mitch McConnell. Uh, I know you talked about this with with Igor yesterday, but it was, and uh, now Stanich was in, right? Yeah, now Stanich. From the Hill yesterday, who was there. Uh, And Jordan Fabian from the Hill, uh, who's the actual White House correspondent for the Hill, will be uh, joining us uh, just about 20, 20 minutes from now. Uh, he was there as well. It was a free-for-all, and Donald Trump, the whole lie of it to me was Donald Trump standing there alongside of Mitch McConnell saying, Mitch and I are the best buds, man. We have the same agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been friends and acquaintances for a long time. Yeah, that is such <laughs> They were both so phony. And just the body chemistry of Mitch McConnell standing there while Donald Trump went off on Every issue imaginable and said some incredible things, which we'll get to in just a minute. He made him just stand there. And Mitch McConnell just standing there with that, you know what, eating grin on his face. I mean, it hostage was, video. It, yeah, was it really was. was. It was a hostage video. Gun to video. his head. It was really. Anyone check for the red dot near his earlobe? <laughs> it was really uncomfortable. And the stuff that he said, I mean, uh, you know, first of all, saying that Obamacare is dead, right? He said that Trump, by the way, said that again yesterday uh, in his um, uh, little newser with the prime minister of Greece. Obamacare is virtually dead. At best, you could say it's in its final legs. The premiums are going through the roof. The deductibles are so high that people don't get to use it. It's I wonder not... why. Yeah, exactly. They're doing everything they can to kill it. And the way they're going, if they keep going, they will kill it. For the time being, it ain't dead. 20 million people signed up, including about 10 million, 12 million, whatever it is, uh, getting Medicaid now because of the expansion of Medicaid under Obamacare. Uh, They're still there. They're still depending on it. Mm -hmm. They're still counting on it. Uh, The subsidies haven't ended yet, and so there are 6 million people. By the way, 70% of the 6 million people who would lose their subsidies, 70% live in states that Donald Trump carried in red states. It is monumentally stupid. But anyway, so he made that claim on Monday. Um, he also uh, said he thinks uh, Hillary Clinton's going to run again, and he hopes that Hillary Clinton runs again. Yeah, run, Hillary, run. Uh, that He and Mitch were the best of friends. And then, of course, he said that uh, he was uh, having totally – ignored them, not said anything about the four Green Berets who were killed in Niger um, about 10 days ago, not said, not tweeted about them, not said anything about them, not expressed any regret, any sorrow about them at all. 
He sort of treated them the way he treated Puerto Rico, ignored them for two weeks. Uh, and then suddenly when he was asked about it uh, in, in the Rose Garden, he said, oh, yeah, um, I wrote them letters in between golf, golf games, by the way. Uh, over the weekend, those letters are going to be mailed as of today. But, um, but also, I'm going to call them. I'm going to make those calls. And no other president ever made calls like that. I mean, so, you know, saying, we're sorry about them. I wrote them a letter. I'm going to give them a call. Point. End, end sentence right there. Yeah. Okay? And that's what a president ought to do. But then he, has, he cannot help himself. He's got to go out and claim that what he has done is the first time that any president in history has ever done it. I mean, this guy has an obs- a real obsession about having to brag about everything and be number one in every area. Yeah, I'll steal a little thunder from— And it's simply not true. I'll, I'll steal a little thunder from Igor yesterday, who, who sort of made the point that Donald Trump is the king of projection, right? Like, if he gets grief for something, he'll find somebody else immediately. And, I, and I've said this before. This is Donald Trump's true talent is avoiding blame and avoiding any yeah, kind of yeah. real accountability for what he's done because if he ever gets knocked for something, he'll find someone immediately to throw it onto. Like the the notion that no other president has called the family of fallen soldiers is a provable very provable lie. Right. Lie. I mean, whether you're talking about Barack Obama or George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, there were a couple of soldiers. Yeah. And, like, you you just call the family. Just, I mean, like, we yeah. have the families that have spoken about the calls that they've gotten. There was, there was one woman who said that she was invited to the White House to meet with George W. Bush because her husband died. And she got into the Oval Office, and she screamed at him and called him names and blamed him. And you know what George W. Bush did? He sat there and he let her cry on his shoulder. Now, George yeah. W. Bush is not a, some great guy, and he killed a lot of American troops. But at the same time, no, he there's yeah, a time he, to sh- like show some respect for the families that you're dealing with. Here. Sure, and, and you know uh, 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 Barack Obama. I remember in the briefing room when Obama talked about having to make those calls, and it's a, you know, the toughest part of of his job. But to say something you like sent that, those troops just, to die. What? what yeah, I mean, you could you could chop that up however many different ways you want to, but like you're responsible. You made that decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, and then sort of to justify this, um, uh, Donald Trump says that uh, well, he didn't even he didn't even call John Kelly when John Kelly's son was killed in Iraq, which is really really disgusting because Kelly is, has gone out of his way as a general, uh, certainly mourning the, the death of his son. I can't imagine losing your own child like that. Uh, and and Kelly just doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to. He's never, never talked about it publicly. Donald Trump sort of forced him to talk about it. And 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 he said, well, Obama never called John Kelly. No, but President Obama had a breakfast at the White House for Gold Star families, to which John, uh, General Kelly and his wife were included. They were invited, and General Kelly was was sat alongside of Michelle Obama at that breakfast. I mean, so. And they and they grieve with all of those families. So it's just a big it's just a big lie. And it but again, it is classic Donald Trump. Last night, he gave a speech at the Heritage Foundation here in Washington D.C., where again, uh, he says stuff that he just makes it up. Um, first of all, just a little thing, little sideways here. Sideways here. Now we're not only tearing down the 
statues of Confederate leaders, right? We're going beyond that, says, says Donald Trump. We believe we should preserve our history, not tear it down. Now they're even trying to destroy statues of Christopher Columbus. What's next? <laughs> Where? What is I didn't know there were statues of Christopher Columbus. Uh, by the way, there is one in Washington in front of Union Station. Oh, is it really? That's Columbus Circle. Uh, I went by there yesterday. It's still there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know all, where the, they've taken down a, a Columbus statue. No, I don't if, if I've missed that, shame on me, I guess. But like, we just but, had Columbus Day, or Indigenous People's Indigenous Day. Indigenous People's Day. I don't remember anybody taking down statues. Yeah. By the way, you know, I, I wouldn't shed a tear if they did. No, but who I mean, cares? But I don't think, I don't know of any at all. But then Donald Trump did also say, once again, how much he has accomplished, right? He has done more uh, in, in, the, in these nine months. In nine months, we have done more, they say, than any <laughs> president in history. And we're nine months, no. and there's more to come. Notice that little, they say. They say. Uh, so one of the things I, t- I talked a little bit about this in Charleston, and I pointed out, so this is classic Donald Trump. In July, he said that he had signed more bills by that time than any other president in history. Uh, The fact is that Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, Harry Truman, and FDR had all signed more bills by that time than any other, than than Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump also said (laughs) that he has appeared on the cover of Time magazine more than any other person alive, or any other person, period, okay? Uh, why would he say something like that? It, as you point out, it is a provable lie. Provable, provably not true. Donald Trump has appeared on the cover of Time magazine eleven times. By the way, you know what? That's an accomplishment. Sure. I haven't. I just haven't, say. <laughs> I haven't been there once. Just right. Just say you've been on the cover eleven times. Richard Nixon. 55 times. Ah, uh, just <laughs> so, a slight lead on him there. Why would he say something like that? Anyhow. So with that, uh, all of that in the Rose Garden, of course, yesterday the president finally gets around to making a call. Uh, maybe he made more than one call. But he did call the widow of uh, Sergeant uh, LaDavid Johnson from um, Miami, whose body arrived, a casket arrived uh, yesterday at the airport in Miami. The family went there, and in the car with them, they get the call in the car, they get the call from Donald Trump, and in the car with them is Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, who appeared with uh, Don Lemon last night on CNN, uh, and told what Donald Trump told the grieving widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, which basically sums up, well, it's too bad, but he knew what he was getting in for. Well, basically he said, um, well, I guess he knew what he signed up for, but I guess it still hurts. Hmm. God. That's what he said. How insensitive can you be? I mean, how just go... This, of course, is the same Donald Trump who attacked a Gold Star family, who had a son die. Who had a son die. Right. Definition, I think, of Gold Star family. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? Just... Cons, right? Yeah. Uh, after the father 
dared speak at the Democratic National Convention with his wife standing by his side. So here he reaches out again yesterday, showing no no empathy at all, no sympathy for this for this woman. Yeah, what a, what. What a statement. I mean, it is true that anybody who goes in the military, particularly, I mean, they thank God bless them, right? Yeah. They go there knowing that they are putting their lives on the line every day, just like our police officers. But to, to, to say that that in any way mitigates their death, you know? Like, do you not think that this widow, over the course of her marriage to this man, hasn't thought about Oh. and dreaded this moment yeah. her entire yeah. life. Like, of Absolutely. course they know what they signed up yeah. for. Yeah, and as the congressman, congresswoman said yesterday, no, w- whatever, this is just not something to say at that time. Somebody suffered that loss. I shouldn't say that to a grieving widow. And everyone knows when you go to war, you could possibly not come back alive. But you don't remind a grieving widow of that. That's so insensitive. So insensitive. It's yeah. not an impeachable offense. No, it's not. It's, it's just, but it's just. It just shows who he is. He's just kind of a jerk. It really does exactly show who he is, and it's all about him. Not kind you know, of a jerk. He's a jerk. He is a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, Senator Tammy Duckworth, uh, who certainly mm. uh, someone who put herself on the line and uh, uh, and and has come come back and done just such heroic things. Uh, she did over there in Iraq, and she has since she came back. Uh, she was last night on MSNBC with Chris Hayes and just, just talked about how disgusting it is that Donald Trump really uses the American military in so many ways. He's doing it again with the NFL, tries to use American military as political props for him. If you talk to Americans just a month ago, most of them would probably not <laughs> know that there we have troops in Niger, that we have troops in Djibouti, that we have troops all around the world who every day sacrifice and protect and defend our nation on foreign soil. And yet we don't even know where these folks are. Uh, and, and to have the, the president of the United States use the deaths of these heroes for political gain is simply unacceptable. Good for you, Senator Duckworth. Yes, indeed. Uh, one other issue that, uh, uh, as, as I said earlier, Donald Trump mentioned at the uh, Free for All on Monday, uh, is the issue of uh, Obamacare. He declared on Monday that Obamacare is, and said it again last night, as we just heard, that Obamacare is dead, or said again yesterday afternoon, Obamacare is dead. Don't even talk about it anymore. It doesn't exist. Uh, and then he turned around and sort of, maybe, kind of, endorsed the bipartisan measure that Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray, senator from Tennessee, Republican, Democrat from uh, Washington State, have been working on for some time. A little back, back, back up and background here. Uh, Alexander and Murray have been working at this for quite a while. While Mitch McConnell was pushing repeal, repeal, repeal and replace, repeal with nothing, um, repeal and give all the money to the states, all three of those efforts, very quietly, with the support of other Republican and Democratic senators, Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray were working on a plan not to repeal Obamacare, but to fix it, mend it, don't end it, if you will. And they were making a lot of progress. And then when they started the repeal effort, Mitch McConnell said, no, I don't want anything to do with that, put it aside. Donald Trump himself said, no. That just extends Obamacare. We don't want anything to do with that. After the first repeal failed, 
Alexander and Murray started their efforts up again. And when Lindsey Graham came up with that baloney thing about we're going to repeal and throw it to the, give the money to the states, the last attempt to how repeal. How that worked out. How that worked out. They couldn't get 50 votes again. So that died. And then Lamar Alexander Patty Murray started up again. And it was sort of uncertain what would happen to it. But one thing was clear. Mitch McConnell didn't want it and Donald Trump didn't want it. Yesterday, Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray finally got their bill to the port to the point where they were ready to release it, which they did. And then suddenly Donald Trump says, oh, I like this idea. And by the way, it was my idea to begin with. The solution will be for about a year or two years, and it'll get us over this intermediate hump because we have, as you probably know, we have either have the votes or we're very close to having the votes, and we will get the votes for having really the potential of having great health care in our country. So, so he says, first of all, also, they have the votes to repeal. Well, they've tried three times and they didn't have the votes. But that now he's praising this bipartisan solution. And again, he says, and it never, they never started talking about it until I cut the subsidies the end of last week. In my opinion, what's happening is as we meet, Republicans are meeting with Democrats because of what I did with the CSRs, because I cut off the gravy train. If I didn't cut the CSRs, they wouldn't be meeting. They'd be having lunch and enjoying themselves, all right? That was from Monday. <sighs> that was he, from Monday. But how, how, can, how can he say that so when, as I just mind. pointed out, Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray have been working on this probably since January, Man. right? He's so out of his mind. I mean, you know what they ought to do? They ought to, they ought to release the list of all the dates that they've met, yeah. all the conversations. You, they probably couldn't because they've had so many. They've had meetings. They've had hearings. They have everything on this on this legislation. Maybe not hearings, but they've had meetings on this legislation. They've got co-sponsors on the legislation. They've been working at it, working at it, working at it. But they couldn't get any support from Trump or Mitch McConnell until yesterday, Monday. And Donald Trump now says it's a good idea as a temporary Band-Aid. Uh, and they would never have done it if I hadn't suggested it in the first place. God. <laughs> you know, there there you is can't something. keep up. With the lies. No. There is something to be said about the fact that they have tried and tried and tried and tried to get some sort of repeal of Obamacare done, and they haven't been able to do it. And this time is particularly interesting because Trump just went and did one of the more damaging things that he has the power to do. And by the way, there are going to be uh, court cases about this, there, like whether or not he yeah. can purposely tank the legislation that's already on the books. Like, we're not even sure if he can do that. But he's done it for now. Um, and so, like, the point I was making yesterday is kind of like, this is classic because Republicans will run an entire campaign on, well, the government doesn't work. The government doesn't work. The government doesn't work. And then they do everything in their power to make sure, sure that the government doesn't work. That's the rubric of the Tea Party, and that's Donald Trump's MO, too. Yeah. Ab uh, absolutely. On a couple of other fronts here before we, uh, again, Jordan Jordan Fabian joins us uh, here at the half hour, uh, senior White House correspondent for The Hill. Joe Sirincioni from the Plowshares Fund on the Iran nuclear deal coming up at the top of the next hour. Uh, and then Esther Sun, Esther, I'm sorry. Uh, Esther Lee. Our Esther friend Esther Lee, Lee. Our friend Esther Lee from uh, the Center for American Progress, Think Progress, on the latest on sanctuary cities and immigration reform. 
Uh, just a couple of other things. Um, yes, um, Mr. Bannon is still, Steve Bannon, still on the warpath. Uh, he won the big battle down in Alabama with uh, Roy Moore, winning over Luther Strange, endorsed by Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. And Steve Bannon wants to get uh, a few other renegades, uh, rebels, elected over incumbent uh, Republicans. He will basically oppose anybody that Mitch McConnell is for, starting with Kelly Ward, who is running against Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake probably has a 95% conservative voting record. Right, I'd say that might be a little low. I mean, a little he's, low. He's a dyed-in-the-wool conservative. No, he really, really is. Now, the fa- but the fact that he has been a little critical of Trump on a couple of occasions means that he's not acceptable to the extreme right-wingers. Uh, here's Steve Bannon out in Scottsdale, Arizona, yesterday. They hold you in total and complete contempt. They think that you're a group of morons. They think you don't have any idea how to comport yourself, live your life, or guide this country. Ah, yes, they're telling these uh, that uh, turning them against Mitch McConnell. It's really civil war inside the Republican Party here, uh, yeah. and Bannon determined again to dethrone. In fact, he has said his goal is really to dethrone Mitch McConnell and throw out the entire Republican uh, establishment. Uh, and last night again in Scottsdale, Arizona. He had a message to Mitch. Hey, Mitch, note to self, Mitch. Big Luther Strange and little Bobby Corker are both going home. <laughs> By the way, they, they didn't beat Bob Corker. No. Like, I'm, no, not, I, I mean, no, I'm not trying to pick nits no, here, but, no, like, yeah. Bob Corker's retiring on his own accord. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they won some big battle against little Bobby Corker. Right. He's leaving. He's yeah, retiring. He's, he's, he's retiring. And what Steve Bannon is, is really trying to say, too, is that Jeff Flake is going home. Um, we'll see. Kelly Ward tried uh, that same approach against John McCain and failed. Uh, now she's running again against. Uh, I'm not here to support uh, Jeff Flake. Sure. No, I'm here to support whatever Democrat runs against him. All I'm saying is this is part of this uh, this effort on the part of Steve Bannon. And Donald Trump still says Steve Bannon's a great guy. He's a good guy. He's a good friend of mine. We'll try. He hasn't said we'll try to. He said we'll try to talk him out of some of these races. But he hasn't said Donald Trump hasn't said that he'll stick with Mitch McConnell in every case because he got burned in Alabama. Yeah. Hey, really quick update to a story we were just talking Uh, about. The story of uh, uh, Frederica Wilson saying that she heard Donald Trump talk about the fallen soldier. He has tweeted. He has tweeted. So far this morning, he's tweeted about James, James Comey, Comey and Hillary Clinton. He's tweeted about the NFL. And he just tweeted, Democratic Congresswoman totally fabricated what I said to the wife of a soldier who died in action, parentheses, and I have proof. Sad. Full tweet from Donald Trump. Let's see the proof. Bring it on. Let's Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. <laughs> you know what? There probably is a tape of that conversation. I'm sure. You I mean, look, know. the phone the phone conversations are, are sort of routinely taped, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's not like one of those things that you're like taping conversations no. in the Oval Office. At the White House, and I wonder if um, uh, if somebody in the car had their cell phone running, too. I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring them on. Let's Br- see the tapes. Yeah. Seriously. Bring it on.
This is this is another battle. Donald Trump's going to get, you watch. He watch. He's going to end up either Federico Federico Wilson is lying or Donald Trump is lying. He's going to end up making it worse than it is. Shock. Shock. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> A quick break. And yeah, what was it like to be there in the Rose Garden on Monday? Uh, and uh, yesterday, and where are we going? Here's a man who tries to sort it all out. Jordan Fabian from The Hill coming up next. Hey, Mitch. Note to self, Mitch. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show what do you say on a wednesday october 18 uh, i say it's time to uh, tune into the uh, bill press show find out what's going on that's uh, where we are and who we are right here starting out in washington dc in our studio on capitol hill brought to you today by the international association of firefighters yes the good men and women of our fire departments all across the land uh, under the leadership of President Harold Shateberger, protecting American families every single day of the year. They've done an incredible job out in uh, my state of California uh, with the wildfires north and south. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program. And what a wild time it has been at the White House, particularly the last couple of days, but <laughs> we might say for the last 10 months, um, keeping uh, Jordan Fabian hopping every day for the Hill at the White House. Hello, Jordan. How, How are you? Good, Good to see you. Uh, so um, I mentioned uh, earlier I was out of town Monday, uh, unable to be at the White House, but have you ever seen anything like suddenly being herded out to the Rose Garden for, what was it, 45 minutes? Yeah, it was, free it was for almost, all, right? yeah. I mean... I would I would like to say yes, but there've been so many crazy moments in this White House where you're sitting there and thinking, "Oh, what? Yeah, this is happening." I mean, <laughs> I, I was at Trump Tower for that that press conference, the Charlottesville thing. Uh, that was another example where I we we no indication that was coming. Um, you know, the night they fired Comey. I mean, that was another just insane. Yeah moment so just add it to the list of insane moments um and uh, th so the rose garden they didn't even have time to set up chairs correct no it was it was an arrangement that i've never seen before we were sitting we we're standing very close to the stairs so you're sitting leading up the, to the oval but office you're sitting in the briefing room correct first and then you said get go to the rose garden right so that's what, so backing up that's what yeah. was happening we were sitting in the briefing room waiting for uh the regular press briefing from sarah huckabee sanders an announcement comes over the loudspeaker that says, media availability in the Rose Garden. Get, get to the doors right now. So we're all thinking, what the hell is going on? I mean, this is – so we're all – everyone's, like, trying to run, the, you know, run past each other. But, but really quickly, though, like, that's not how yeah. these things normally work. Like, you know, you get plenty of advantage for these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? and, typically, and, yes. And, and you I, go out, and the chairs are all set up, and the names are on the chairs, and it's all very organized. This was not. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I think it's one of the things that – allows the president to sometimes keep the press off balance is that he I mean usually when you have a presidential news conference you have time to prepare you can prepare questions it's an orderly thing this was a group of reporters standing at the stairs in the rose garden just basically just shouting 
questions at, at the president and Mitch McConnell, and I've really never seen anything like it for 40 minutes. Yeah. Anybody who wanted to shout a question, mm-hmm. I mean, it was not, uh, there was no uh, announce. Pardon me. Remember, President Obama always had the list given to him by Josh Ernest ahead of time as to whom he was going to call on. This was free for all, correct? Yeah. And, and in some ways, the free for all can be better because I like that. more people yeah. can get questions. But <laughs> sure. um, I, I got to say, I think the. You know, the press corps uh, seemed a little more disorganized because of how that went down. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of shouting, a lot of shouting over one another, and uh, and it was it was a I think it was kind of a tough moment. All right. So the big statement that came out of that, or the big news, I guess, came out of that was that uh, he had uh, um, he he was going to make calls to the families of the fallen four soldiers, uh, Green Berets, but no other president had ever done that. Done that. Right. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. Not quite. Not quite, yeah. I mean, were you immediately able to determine that that was not true? Well, we had former aides to President Obama getting on Twitter almost immediately wow, knocking yeah. this down. And and so you had an interesting moment in, in the Rose Garden where Peter Alexander, a colleague from NBC News, is like reading these tweets and is able to get the president's reaction in real time. And the interesting Whoa. thing was the president kind of backed off his claim. He said, oh, that's just what I was told. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. may- maybe it was the case, maybe it wasn't. And so that was an interesting moment, I think, where, where he was challenged on this claim and he immediately backed down. He had done this once before so publicly at, at a press conference they did when he talked about um, it was the biggest win by a Republican ever or something like that. Or he got more electoral votes or more something more. That, like in the history of Republicans, and someone pointed out and said, "Well, like actually, Mr. President, Ronald Reagan got this," and he had to go like, "Oh, well, that's just what I was told." I, I, I and so that's sort of like it's interesting. Right? Someone else pushed that's him a- on this yesterday about he his line that he's used for the longest time that America is the most taxed country in the world, and they go, "Actually, that's not true. That's just not true." And he goes, "Well, that's what I was told." That's, yeah. his, that's his fallback. I always blame the staff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he really that that's or his go to or the yeah. generals. Yes. So as you know, so this 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 uh, uh, making these calls, which turn out not to be true, others, George W. Bush, at least Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, probably others, George H. W. Bush, have made calls as well to these families, and it's a tough. I remember Obama talking about that. How what a tough thing it was to do, you know, to to talk to these families and make these calls and visit with them. Well, it took another twist, as you know, yesterday when he did finally get around to making the calls and calling the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson down in Miami, <coughs> pardon me, and Congresswoman Frederica Wilson was in the car with the family, with this widow, when the call came through. Uh, she told Don Lemon last night on uh, CNN what that call was like. Well, basically he said, uh, well, I guess he knew what he signed up for, but I guess it still hurts. Hmm. That's what he said. Kind of cold. Um, but Donald Trump tweeting this morning. Here's his nope. tweet, Here's his Here tweet his by tweet. the way. Democratic Congresswoman totally fabricated what I said to the wife of a soldier who died in action. Parentheses. And I have proof. By the Sad. way, Frederica Wilson just went on CNN's New Day. She says, I have proof too. Yeah. So. Tapes. What are the tapes? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's another situation like this where. And, but it's even more. I don't want to say trivial because it's the the death of a fallen soldier, but what what are, what are we doing? I mean, what, what is this yeah, fight about? It's crazy. No one – think about where we were 24 hours ago or 48 hours ago. 
you know, people were asking why he hadn't spoken out about these soldiers in Niger, but it's not like he was getting hammered on this. Yeah. And then he, yeah. and he comes yeah. out and just completely goes over the top and, and impugning his predecessors. Now, uh, now we have this, this situation where the congresswoman's claiming that he said something very uncouth to the to the wife of this person. And I mean, what what a self inflicted wound this was. I mean, if he didn't attack, I think his predecessors were not in this situation. Right. No. Right. 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 We're just not. We're I not mean, even. We, in this we would have let him slide on the whole. Uh, not acknowledging the death of all those troops. Yeah, people were asking about it, but it's not again. It's not like he was getting hammered over this. I mean, it, it, I hate to put it this way, but like, in, in, like we have so many things coming out of the Trump White House that it just got lost. Yeah, it just got lost, and so like when he was finally pushed on it, I think that's right. the first time he really had to think about it. I don't think anybody had to say, "Mr. President, you need to do something about this." I don't think he even considered calling anyone. Writing well, he a letter. said he, he said he had written the letters over the weekend in between golf games. Oh, uh, I believe him. No, but, definitely. He doesn't have a history of lying about everything. <laughs> you know, the other thing about this is that he hasn't tweeted about Puerto Rico or said anything about Puerto Rico in five days. And yet this morning he's talking about this and he's talking about the NFL anthems again. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's his like, go-to fallback, right? Uh, but, it, yeah, I, I saw Leon Panetta um, had an interesting comment in, I think it was the Washington Post, but... He actually did say this was bad staff work, where if you're the president and you have so much stuff on your plate, you need your staff to be on top of this stuff and say, hey, Mr. President, there are four, there are four dead soldiers in Niger. You need to address this. And, well, and apparently that didn't happen. Well, apparently that uh, didn't happen. Uh, Leon's uh, a, a very good friend, and I'm not saying he's wrong. But I also think you you know that when before Barack Obama or George W. Bush held a presidential news conference, they spent a lot of time with their staff anticipating what questions might come up. And they went out there. It, there were probably very few surprises, right? You could tell. Mm-hmm. Obama was ready, man. Yeah. You know, he had this. So, But when you just walk out without any preparation, walk out of a meeting with Mitch McConnell and say, let's summon the press corps and then leave yourself wide open to anything that comes up, you know, that's Trump's fault. That's true. Imagine if someone had asked Trump the names of the soldiers that had died. He wouldn't know. He would have no idea. Yeah. So he let himself in for for that. So one other thing, you know, and again, I guess just building on on what you said is that, so once again, this is a story we're going to be talking about all day today, you know, not about tax reform or not about any of these other issues that he wants to get done. Uh, he said Obamacare is dead, right? He said it again yesterday with when he was there with the prime minister of Greece. Obamacare is virtually dead. At best, you could say it's in its final legs. The premiums are going through the roof. The deductibles are so high that people don't get to use it. Uh, and then he came out, Jordan, and endorsed this seem to endorse this bipartisan effort by Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray to continue with the subsidies for at least a couple of years, basically to repair, repair Obamacare and not, and not end it. Is, is that the new position? Or? I, I, my, I, the White House doesn't know what its position is on this issue. <laughs> and, and I... I, I because <laughs> we saw again, you, you saw the, his speech that's, to that's the, pretty stunning after ten months. Yeah, well, I'm 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 saying this very narrow issue of of, yeah, of yeah. Uh, you know 
insurance subsidies. You saw what he said at the Heritage Foundation last night, where he he walked back this the, uh, seeming endorsement that he appeared to right. give in, yeah. in the press yeah. conference yesterday. Um, and and I got to think that someone on the staff said, "Mr. President, no, that's <laughs> that's not quite right. We don't really support that." But uh, look, this is a guy who I think likes to say what people want to hear, so that can get him into trouble. And I think that's what we kind of saw on. Right on Tuesday with this issue, and he also in classic, uh, I thought Donald Trump version in speaking about this yesterday, uh, Jamie, where he says, "Here's what's happening: that um, they're only doing this because I uh, I prompted them to to do it." In my opinion, what's happening is as we meet, Republicans are meeting with Democrats because of what I did with the CSR, because I cut off the gravy train. If I didn't cut the CSRs, they wouldn't be meeting. They'd be having lunch and enjoying themselves, all right? So he's saying that Patty Murray and Lamar Alexander never started talking until last Thursday when it was it when he cut off the CSRs. Which, which is not true. I mean, they've been talking for months. They've been talking for months. Yeah. And he was asked, he was asked too, whether he knew about this. Or he, I don't even know if he was asked that, but he volunteered that he, he's, he knew about this whole thing and was totally involved and... Uh, that's not really the case, So, I at least not you, him personally. What do you do as a journalist when you come up against the fact something, the president is saying something that you know absolutely, no question about it, is simply not true? Do you report that or do you just kind of ignore it? And, and if you report it, then you're going to be accused of being fake news or being anti-Trump or yeah. being just negative. It's, Look, I, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I think Peter Alexander showed, showed a good example where you, you can challenge the president's claims in real time. And, and in some cases, he will back off. And uh, I think uh, as a press corps, we all need to do that, If whether it's uh, during a press conference or in writing stories, you know, pointing out that when he makes that kind of claim, you you know, it, it's it's not a thing where you need to, you know, a call him a liar or anything like that. You just need to point out what he said and point out what the reality right, is, and right. you can let the readers decide. Let the readers decide. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Steve Bannon is on the war path. This is another subject that came up on Monday. And you have a story this morning uh, in The Hill about the impact of his uh, is his campaign to unseat um, establishment Republicans, right, and put some more Roy Moores there in the United States Senate. He was he was at it again last night in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, how serious a threat is this to Senate leadership? Well, people I talk to in the White House and on Capitol Hill are are worried about this. They're worried that with Bannon threatening to primary incumbent senators, this could give them a reason to vote against the tax plan because if they're trying, if these are vulnerable senators running in states where. Either Trump lost, or like Dean Heller, or in states where he might not be so popular, that if they're looking to distance themselves from the Trump White House, they might use these attacks as, as an excuse to go against the tax plan. Now, a lot of senators we talked to yesterday kind of knocked that down. They said, you know, Bannon has nothing to do with how we're going to vote on taxes, but it's an added complication to an issue that is already very complicated and difficult to pass. If so, he's running somebody against them, yes. You could see, I mean, I, I, I think your story's right on, that they would look for ways to show their independence, right? Exactly. And so, right, and, and people in the White House who really want this to pass and on Capitol Hill don't want this to become a political football with the primary battle. They want this to be decided on its own merits. 
Uh, but Bannon is not really looking to play along. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're looking at challenges. We see one in Arizona for sure. He already won in Alabama. You mentioned Nevada. Are there other states that where they may play? Yeah, I, th- I mean, he's threatened to primary any incumbent Republican who is, you know, so- so-called anti-Trump. I mean, so you look at Roger Wicker in Mississippi, for example. I mean, I wouldn't really call him anti-Trump, but if, he, if they <laughs> well, decide that he's anti-Trump, I, then he might go against them. When I think anti-Trump, yeah. I don't think Roger Wicker. But, right. like, they'll find something. Right, exactly. Well, no, the, even Jeff Flake, to say Jeff Flake is not a pure enough conservative, I don't know what his voting record is, but we were speculating yeah. earlier. It's probably 95%. Or, or even like Bob Corker. Like we, we talked about like how important Bob Corker is going to be to this tax reform uh, stuff that Trump wants to get through. And Trump just blew the whole thing up. Yeah. And, and remember, up until three weeks ago or whatever, Bob Corker was an important establishment validator for President Trump. Yes. And, so, and now he's uh, totally out. So it's interesting how fast that changes. <laughs> you know what I find curious about the Steve Bannon thing is I don't see him as an organized political strategist like Karl Rove was for, for, for sure, right? And Karl Rove, you know, got his, I forget the name of his pack now, but he and Ed Gillespie put this big, huge pack together and they raised tons of money and really influenced mm-hmm. a lot of different races. I mean, to me, Steve Bannon isn't, doesn't fit in that category. No, and up until up until Roy but, Moore, I mean, he didn't yeah. have such a great record in these primaries. You mm. remember in 2014, it was the 20 I, yeah, 2014, uh when Thad Cochran was one, running for re-election, he was one of the guys who was pushing Chris McDaniel as a primary challenger. He lost that, lost a few other races where, you know, he got behind some of these, you know, conservative insurgent candidates. Um and lost. So, you know, he's had some recent success, but we'll see if it continues next year. Right. Um, yesterday, there was another rule, a federal judge uh, on the president's third attempt to get a travel ban that stands up to a constitutional muster and a federal judge saying, uh, nope, in effect, uh, halting it yet once again. Where does this go now? They're just going to keep throwing plans out there until they get one that works. Yeah, well, well, they'll appeal it. I mean, they'll appeal it to the higher court, and we'll see uh, We'll see what happens. Obviously, they, had, they were successful in that on that front with the second travel ban, getting that unglued. Um, but look, I mean, this is what happens. This is what's going to happen on, on a v- variety of issues. You know, the, the and the Republicans really started this with Obama's executive order on, on immigration in the last administration where they were able to successfully block this on legal grounds. And Democrats are now using the same strategy, and they're going to try to block a lot of these executive actions that the president's taking. They're going to do it, too, on the on this health care issue, on the issue of insurance, insurance subsidy payments. We have more than a dozen states suing the Trump administration to try to get those uh, restarted. So we're going to see these legal battles play out on a lot of different issues. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about uh, John Kelly's uh, appearance in front of the, uh, brief, the briefing? <laughs> yeah. Talk about... Again, you never know what's going to happen, right? I've never seen a chief like of staff do that. No. Never. Um, I never remember seeing a chief of staff at the podium in the briefing. Nope. And uh, But look, I mean, it was valuable experience uh, to, to, to get him on the record saying that stuff. Um, as he acknowledged, he's done a lot of off the records with the press trying to improve that relationship. But the most notable thing is that that was a string of appearances from Trump – staffers, aides, officials, kind of saying this is fine, right? Because you had Tillerson 
coming out there and saying this is fine. You had Kelly coming out there saying this is fine. You had Mattis. Fine. No yeah, problems. It, it's, it's kind of remarkable to to see that whole string of. I just said, like yeah. I can't imagine ever having a job where I'd have to go out and try and convince everybody I'm not going to get fired today. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to get fired anytime in the foreseeable future, unless something changes. Mm-hmm. Like how demoralizing. Yeah. And, and like we were saying, like you know, Trump made him do that. You know, I don't think John Kelly was really John Kelly. <clears throat> who has a lifetime of military service was not dying to go out there in front of the Washington press court to just let everybody know, like, well, I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about me. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, that, he's the last person I'm worried about. Yeah. But it's just embarrassing. And Trump has no problem embarrassing his people. I mean, he's done it over and over and over again. Yeah. Do yeah. you, um, so uh, John Kelly's deputy, have you had any uh, interaction with her, Nielsen, is that her name? Very briefly. Yeah. Um, but now she's going over to DHS. So uh, she'll be out of the White House, which I'm sure uh, some people over there might be happy about. That's what I understand, right? Yeah. She was known as a pretty tough taskmaster in the in the White House. And, yeah. And yeah, and then, we'll have to see how that goes over at DHS because, um, look, she's she's widely respected among, you know, Republicans and, uh, and people, you know, sort of in the Homeland Security arena. But at, at the department, we might see this issue where – there might be friction, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and the president's a nominee for um, drug czar mm-hmm. or head of the DEA, I guess, right? Um, dropping out yesterday. He He's out. Yeah, yeah. Malone, is that it? Marino. Marino, Marino, right? Yeah. Well, so what happened to the vetting with him? <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of these picks. I mean, they, they've they've had. Well, I mean, look at, look at Ma- Michael Flynn. I mean, Michael Flynn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's going back to the beginning. I mean, yeah, Tom, I think, Tom Price. Remember, there was a whole flap about he was doing insider trading and became very wealthy as head of the health committee in the, in the House and turned out to bite him in the ass. Yeah, and, and the problem now is you have so many key positions unfilled. Still, we're nine months in, and uh, we're, we're losing. Now now it's we're still losing people and not gaining people. So I know that's concerning to a lot of people in these areas. Right. Uh, and, um, and that's particularly true in terms of unfilled positions. In the State Department, yes, yeah. How? What's the inside story on on Tillerson? How solid is he? Do you think? Not very solid. Not very solid. I mean, he's. I don't think he, his exit is imminent, but I also wouldn't say that he's long for this world. Um, I I think this whole moron situation put his relationship with the president in complete in completely bad place that where it's not going to be able to be recovered and. Uh, I mean, like he might be looking for an extra strategy. He might just be looking for uh, a way to hang on for the next few months to it, it keep looks things like stable. He's just and, letting, yeah. waiting for the for the like he set his uh, iPhone alarm for uh, <laughs> December thirty one and <laughs> waiting for it to go off. Right? You know, maybe Run, running yeah. out the clock, so to speak. Maybe. Because, yeah. You um, know, the, the, these guys are all powerful men. Like they they. They've come from a background where they were in charge of giant, gigantic corporations. And they're being treated like interns. And they can't sit well with them. <laughs> you know? I mean, the male ego is a fragile thing, as we've learned, <laughs> especially here in Washington. And, like, these guys have got to be losing their minds having to put up with this. It's interesting that Kelly, I mean, yeah, yeah, Kelly will not, I mean, Tillerson, he will not deny that he called him a moron. No, repeatedly. And, and look, I, I think Peter's right. Like this, this guy was the head of the most 
large, the largest corporation in the world, basically. Yeah. And yeah. and now he's got to take orders from President Trump, and that can't. It, it's just it's clear that he is so different from Trump on a personal level, on policy, and um, to have to you know be subservient to him is is not something he enjoys. No, and yeah. <laughs> and when you do the job you're supposed to be doing as Secretary of State, which is all about diplomacy, and the president tells you you're wasting your time. Must be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes, you, makes you think twice, uh, what the hell am I here for? Yeah. I'll go back to Texas and play some golf. Hey, Jordan, you're doing great work, and you're a very good friend. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bill. At The Hill, thehill.com. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, Donald Trump insults another gold star family. You know, he makes a career of it. Here we go. What do you say, folks, on a Wednesday, October 18? Uh, hello, hello. Great to see you. And welcome to the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Reaching out to you nationwide with all the news of the day, such as it is from here in Washington. Uh, the house is out this week, so it's a little quiet on on uh, Capitol Hill, uh, but uh, not quiet down at the White House, that's for sure. What's happening all around the country and around the globe, uh, we'll let you know, bring it to you, and uh, give you our best analysis of it with our guest joining us here at the top of this hour, Joe Cirincioni from the uh, Plowshares Fund on the latest with the Iran nuclear deal and with Raqqa. Uh, the capital of ISIS falling to American-backed uh, Iraqi troops. Uh, and then a little bit later, Esther Lee from Think Progress on the latest on the travel ban and uh, the order on the uh, a judge's order saying that President Trump's third travel ban is also unconstitutional. We'll bring you up to date on all that uh, news and look forward to hearing from you what it all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show, uh, what you think about the news of the day. Uh, and we will jump right into all the news of the day with you. Good to be back, by the way. And thanks to Igor Volsky and to um, Evan McMorris-Santoro for filling in while I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, at the Citadel. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, this is a story, Bill, that is near and dear to your heart. Not right. only does it have to do with the fires that are happening in Sonoma and Napa, but it has to do with drones. Because firefighters are trying to tr put out these blazes every way that they can, and one of the problems that they're having are people flying their drones. 
Because these water-dropping planes are trying to drop as much water as they can on the areas of the flyer. Yeah, of course. Of the fires. And they're saying that drones are getting in the way, and they are asking all drone operators in the area to please... Good idea. Knock it off. Couldn't drones help in this situation too? I mean, no, no, obviously, no, exactly. If they the could, right? If the firefighters have drones yeah. to find out where the right fires where they are, are going, yeah. that's yeah, yeah. that's where they ought to be used. But the individuals get their drones. Yeah, the, the firefighters are saying amateurs. If, if you live in that area, yeah, for crying out loud, put your drones away. Don't fly them over the fires because people are trying to get footage and things like that. So yeah. it just it, now's not the time. No. Now's not the time. You got an iPhone, Bill. You get a new iPhone. You get one of these iPhone 8s well, or iPhone ordered it yet, but I'm thinking about ordering the uh, 10. Or the well, they're X, saying it's gonna. It they're saying you're probably not going to get your hands on it until next year because, huh. as Apple does, they didn't make enough to fill the demand. I'm not sure if I'm going to get one or not. But here is a man by the name of Jeff Nelson. He lives in Menifee, California, and he says that he Where? was in California. Menifee, M-E-N-I-F-E-E, Menifee. Kurt Menifee. Kurt Menifee. I never heard of it. But. All right. Okay. Ahead, he says he was on his backhoe talking on his iPhone 6, mm. and he smelled something burning. And he says all of a sudden his phone just blew up and caught fire while he was on the phone with it. Now, this has happened before. iPhones have exploded. A lot of times it's a battery issue. Uh, and he says that he he didn't realize what was happening. He just smelled the burning, and then all of a sudden, boom, it just combusted in his hand. The so, moral of the story is? Go ahead. Don't use your phone when you're on your backhoe. When you're on your backhoe. Well, he says he thought at first he smelled. I never do. I, yeah, no, I, I know you're. Back, <laughs> when I use my backhoe, I always put the phone. In, he in, says he aside, thought that the smell, because he smelled the smoke, he said he thought that it was the backhoe. And then he realized it was inside the cabin, and he heard the, he felt the heat on his ear where it had exploded. How long you had that backhoe, Bill? <laughs> well, I've had it a long time. I don't use it very often. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll check it out sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for a ride. There you go. On your radio. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, hey, what do you say? Hello, hello. On a Wednesday, October 18, The Bill Press Show. Great to see you today, folks. And uh, welcome to the program. Uh, We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C. That's our nation's capital. But we are with you wherever you are in this great land of ours, whether you're listening on the radio, watching online, or watching on Free Speech TV. We're there online on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On television on Free Speech TV, great to see you today. And on the greater Chicago area, on the progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good to be back. I was uh, away for a couple of days, as you may know. Uh, I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, giving a couple of talks at the Citadel uh, great campus, great cadet corps down there. Uh, they received uh, uh, this Yankee with uh, their <laughs> southern charm and southern spirit. I felt very much uh, very welcome down there. Even I gave him a little a heads little, up. I was a little apprehensive when I went down there. By the way, we welcome to the program Joe Sirincioni from the Plowshares Fund, our guest here at the top of the hour. Hi, Joe. Good morning. To Pleasure you. to be back with you. You've been to Charleston? 
I have been. It's, it's a great be- city. Beautiful city. Beautiful. Stunning. Hometown, yeah. man. Hometown. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Hometown. Good to see you, man. Good to be back Thanks. with you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bill, one of the other things you missed, and I, I want to bring this up because we've got to mention that we're on Twitter at BP Show, right? Uh, we put yes. out a poll yesterday Uh-oh. when Igor Volsky was guesting. not I should come back? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's overwhelmingly no. Uh, no. Uh, so we we put out a poll because we were discussing John McCain. John McCain, of course, made these comments, and I'm sure Joe has some thoughts on this as well, about Donald Trump and uh, his place on the international stage. Uh, then we got into John McCain's political legacy because uh, of the big no vote on, on health care. So Igor kind of made the argument that John McCain had rewritten a bit of his political legacy, right? Made himself look more appealing to liberals so we put out a poll yesterday on Twitter at BP Show. Did John McCain save his political legacy with health care stance? 63% said yes. Huh. 63% said yes. You know, granted, this went out to Igor's followers as well. 37% said no. That's the final results of that poll. Keep those comments coming in on our Twitter at BP Show on that topic and others that we discussed this morning. All right. Yeah. All right. It's a good but conversation. You know, yeah, it is. But, um, I, I mean, I think... John McCain somewhat redeemed himself, for sure. You know, he's back to being more of the renegade that he used to be when Mm -hmm. I first got to know him. Um, Maverick. But Maverick. But there's something else out there. His comments over the weekend. And his comments over the weekend, I thought we're right on about this phony nationalism. which Half-baked, spurious nationalism. You know, we're sacrificing America's role in the world, our credibility, our legitimacy in the world, for the sake of what, he says, for half-baked spurious nationalism, referring, of course, to Bannonism, Millerism, Stephen Miller, mm. and what Trump has been spouting lately. And Trumpism. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that is that has elevated both of these people, right? Absolutely. And, and has followed them. Oh, there was no question he was taking direct aim at Trump. Here's what I don't understand. Do people know what, when you hear this America first, do they know the origins of America first? Ah, probably not. Probably not, as you're seeing. You know, we're just realizing how strong the Nazi movement was in the 1930s. There's this wonderful new seven-minute documentary of the Nazi rally at uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, people don't remember how prevalent Nazism was before we know what the Nazis became. 20,000 people at Madison Square Garden. And, and of course, uh, you know, one of the... Charles Lindbergh wasn't a Nazi himself, but he started this America First movement right. that was pro-Nazi. That then yeah. he went over and received a medal from Hitler. Charles Lindbergh. He was, you know, so he was all for this kind of strong nationalism, which again was this white nationalist response to the depression, to the economic conditions, and now it finds its echo in, in Trumpism. Right. I mean, I don't. There's echoes of this all throughout, and I don't think people realize mm. how dangerous it is, and what a, um, you know, very scary past that this dredges up again, yeah. where these people. And by the way, I think the majority of Americans they they had the support, maybe not the majority, but of a great number of Americans at the time for staying. Letting Hitler do his oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. Staying out of uh, World War II right, or staying right. out so, of the battles. That right. was what so remember, it was all so about. This rally yeah. in Madison Square Garden is 1939. What happens in the fall of 1939? And by ni- Poland is invaded by, by Hitler. We right. don't move. Yeah. Dunkirk yeah. happens. We yeah. don't move. Right. You know, uh, uh, France is imperiled. We don't move. 
It's yeah. only until we're attacked and by they were make- in December 41, two years later. That we get into, and it. these people were making the argument all the time yeah. that you know this is just an internal European problem, mm-hmm. but uh, what, whatever you know, yeah, the rebirth of Germany or the re- expansion of Germany, and we should just stay the hell out of it, right? right. We, because they had not attacked our soil, right? And America first, you America know? So, first. So even though that movement was a minority movement, it rippled through the political system the, and, and spurred these. The idea that they could bring it back. You know, 50 yeah. years, 50, 60 years later, and people just accept it and not realize its roots and its origin and its meaning is right. frightening. Right. So it's a little, you know, it's not the full-throated America firstism of the 30s, but he's got state power. This yeah. is Charles Lindbergh never won the presidency. This movement never got this close to the White House. This movement has the White House. Right. We talk a lot, so. you know, in school and we're taught, you know, we have to be careful of history repeating itself and we talk about these things like the holocaust so often Mm -hmm. and kids are exposed to that stuff because it's important that you never forget that this is what we're capable of as humans and we're we're, right we're we're repeating a lot of the mistakes we've made in the past a lot of the mistakes so so joe you and i have talked uh a a lot here on the program about the iran nuclear deal and how important it is and one part of the deal is that every, what, 60 days, 90 days, the president has to certify. Yes. And then so basically we're going to stay in the deal. Donald Trump refusing to do so last week and yeah. sending the deal to Congress, to the Senate, for an uncertain fate. What does that mean? What are the implications This of is that? the most significant foreign policy decision of the Trump presidency so far. It has far-reaching implications. It has everybody worried. I just spent an evening at, at, at Georgetown uh, uh, a g- gathering yesterday, in a dinner meeting filled with 40 experts dis- discussing this from uh, the Obama administration, outside the administration, uh, discussing this. Everybody is deeply worried for, t- for two reasons. One, he's threatening to leave the deal. He, what he did on Friday didn't quite do it. It's just as an internal matter. He, he didn't certify that Iran is in compliance, even though everyone agrees that outside they are. the administration that they are. Inside it, the Tillerson. Well, yes. Our, the entire national security intelligence team recommended certifying because Iran is complying. The deal works. It rolled back and froze Iran's nuclear program. So number one, the, the, the concern is that if the U.S. continues down this path with Senate help, basically what Trump did was open the door for the Senate by not certifying Iran mm-hmm. compliance. He opens up a 60-day legislative window where the Senate can offer legislation to reimpose sanctions. Tom Cotton is taking full advantage in an apparently coordinated effort to offer legislation that would actually kill the deal. You kill the deal? What that means is the U.S. is out of the deal, and the Iranians are then free to restart their program if they want. The, the sanction regime collapses because it's all built on international cooperation, and you could see Iran kick out the inspectors and restart their program. That's problem number one. Problem number two, this opens up a huge breach in the American alliance system. The Europeans are furious. They've been issuing statements from the leadership on down, joint statements from the leaders of France and Germany, the United Kingdom, for example. The German foreign minister just on Saturday says this is this is, you know, a terrible decision because they this is a multilateral deal. This is not U.S. Iran. This is a U.N. Security Council resolution. All the nations of the world are vested in this because it solved this problem that threatened a war. So you're breaching 
uh, an already frayed American al- alliance sacrifice. And this is what McCain is referring to in part, even though he's critical of the deal, sacrificing American leadership for this nationalism. And third, and this is probably the worst, is that if Iran, in fact, does start its program up again, then you don't have sanctions, you don't have restrictions. So what are you left with if you want to stop the program? Military force. Mm. So this puts us on the path to war. Again, echoing Senator Bob Corker's statement that Trump is putting us on the path to World War III. So the argument that I've heard uh, is uh, at, at some people in, in the administration, well, and Donald Trump himself, yeah, well, they may be, uh, they may be, it may be complying with this deal. But meanwhile, they're yeah. still giving money to Hezbollah. Meanwhile, they're still da da da, and maybe they they're in cahoots right. with North Korea. They're doing this other bad stuff, right? So they're not right. in compliance with the spirit of yeah. the deal. A deal, a decision was made very early on in the United States and in Iran and in Europe that you couldn't negotiate all the issues at once. There was no possibility of a grand bargain. So you had to take the most serious. What was that? Nuclear weapons. Whatever else Iran does, not having the threat of nuclear weapons makes it easier to deal with those things. So let's take this most difficult issue, the one that was threatening war. Remember, six years ago in this capital, we were talking about when we were going to attack Iran, not, not if. Mm-hmm. So you remove that. It does, so that's, it, that's all it does. But then it lets you deal with these other issues. You still have all the other tools available, all the other a- avenues that you have. This idea of the spirit of a deal is a, is a complete fabrication. There is no such thing. Maybe some hopes that this could lead to other breakthroughs, but it was never part of the bargain. Well, it made me think about the arms deals that Ronald Reagan mm. or George Bush, either the Bushes or Bill Clinton or Barack Obama signed with either the Soviet Union or Russia, right? There were a lot of things oh, sure. wrong with with the Soviet Union or with Russia, other things wrong at that time, but they didn't say, no, this deal has to include every single problem that we have with Russia. No, those deals were focused on nuclear arms. We started detente with the Soviet Union under Richard Nixon when the Soviets were arming the North Vietnamese and the North Vietnamese were killing 100 or more U.S. soldiers a week. So that's the way you distinguish and you you prioritize your threats, you prioritize your problems. And you focus. and, And you focus. Yeah. Um, so, um, if I'm Kim Jong-un, okay, now this mm. is kind of tough, but it seems to me, and I'm, uh, yes. and I'm looking, okay, they want me to give up my nuclear weapons. Now, let's see what's happened to other countries that have done this. Okay, so Muammar Gaddafi gave up his nuclear weapons. Yeah, he ended up in a sewer pipe, and when he got in trouble, what did we do? We helped the people who were trying to overthrow him. Okay. Okay, that's one. Two, Iran. They give up their nuclear weapons. And what are they doing to Iran? They're screwing Iran. So why should I give up mine? And Saddam Hussein, who gave up his Saddam programs Hussein. in 1991. Yeah, right, Remember, this a... was after the first war. It's clear there were yeah. no WMD in Iraq. That was a right. complete lie. And the same people who lied about that are also lying about Iran now, trying to get us to go mm-hmm. back to a military conflict. So this is the North Korean view. If you give up your weapons, America will kill you. But, so why should you give up your weapons? You'd be I mean, foolish. They've got the they've got <laughs> yes. They have evidence to support that. <laughs> I, I, it happens to be yeah. true. Exactly. So that means we have a huge hurdle to overcome. And instead of trying to overcome that, uh, he's making it worse. Which is why what he's doing on Iran ripples into the possibility. Some say it makes it now impossible 
to negotiate an agreement with North Korea. I'm not quite there yet, but it certainly makes it much more difficult. But it does. It also uh, don't don't we have to accept uh, moving to North Korea? Really, is that North Korea is now a nuclear power? You have to recognize the reality of that, but you don't have to do it sort of de jour. You don't have to recognize them as a nuclear weapon state. I think that's a step too far, and doing so increases the possibility that South Korea, Japan would decide that they want to be a nuclear weapon state too. So there's real reasons why you don't want to say that. But you have to recognize that they have a program and they're not going to give it up at this point. So you can't go into negotiations whose purpose is the complete elimination okay. uh, in the near term of North Korea's nuclear program. All right. So you keep using the word negotiations, right? Yes. What, what do you do in a situation where Donald Trump has told the Secretary of State no yeah. more negotiations? Nikki Haley has said, right. you know, whatever, in so many different ways. Yes. We're, it, we're, we're just, we're not talking anymore. And Donald Trump telling Rex Tillerson, you're wasting your time, Rex. Right. Well, Nikki Haley is the neocon secretary of state. She's channeling that movement to almost directly, seeing it as her path to secretary of state and a possible presidential bid mm -hmm. soon, perhaps. So that's what yeah. Nikki Haley's game is. Um, President uh, Trump says, as usual, everything, you know, just... A few days ago, he said, I'm not ruling out negotiations, but wait a minute, I thought you just did rule out negotiations. So it's, this, is, of course, is another part of the problem, the, the unsteady nature of the presidency, um, his willingness to talk, say anything at any time. Aren't negotiations the only true path? Yes. You do not have a military option, even though the people keep talking about that, and some are flirting with it. There is increasing talk about this in the administration. So, yes, there is a real chance we could initiate military action, but that is not that would lead to a devastating war unlike anything we've seen since the end of the Korean War. Uh, South you, Korea, right in, the, right in the... Oh, absolutely. Oh, we're talking about of millions of deaths. We're talking about World War II-style warfare, not counterinsurgency, not surgical strikes. This is World War II, mm -hmm. in the mud, conventional war, you know, th tens of thousands of people dying per hour. That, so that's, that's why there is no real military option. The, the second possibility, China will take care of it for us, will somehow strangle North Korea. That's not going to happen. Yeah, right. They don't want to see it destabilized. They keep pushing for negotiations. There is a third option, which is you sort of muddle through, that you don't do negotiations, you don't do anything that you basically accept North Korea as a state. Well, muddle through, but meanwhile then they, they're able to, to, to complete phase three, yes. which is putting this nuclear weapon they have on top of the long-range missile. Yes. And, you know, what are the chances that, uh, one of them said the other day, one of their leaders said, you know, w w nuclear war could happen in, you know, within weeks or something like that. I mean, what are the chances that they might do something crazy like, Lava missile, the West Coast of the what United States. What almost everyone fears is not a U.S. first strike, although I would, that's not out, off the table. Yeah, not, under, not with this president. And they, and they really don't fear so much a North Korean first strike. They know hmm. what would happen next. You know, yeah. Deterrence is alive and well. What you fear is a stumbling into war, that something cascades, a, a, something happens, and it, it escalates uh, out of control. Remember, this is an area where the North Koreans have done stupid things in the past, like shoot down American surveillance planes, killing 31 mm -hmm. people, 1969. Shoot down a U.S. reconnaissance helicopter, 1994, killing an American, holding another American. 
for, for uh, 13 days, lobbing artillery shells into a South Korean island just a couple of years ago, killing some South Koreans there. So they do do those things, and the risk is we do something provocative, they respond, we respond, it escalates out of control, and pretty soon we're actually shooting uh, at, at each other, and the war begins. Joe Sirensoni with us from the Plowshares Fund, plowshares.org, P-L-O-U-G-H, plowshares.org. Raqqa, ah, yes. they say, is has fallen, uh, or at least most of Raqqa yeah. uh, has fallen. This was the capital of ISIS. So does this mean ISIS is gone? No, it does not. But they have lost uh, the majority of their territory. So remember, it was... Uh, I guess it was 2014, January 2014, when they first seized Raqqa. So it's been that long, and they started their their their, their expansion. And they, they considered that their capital, or they're yes, operating they, yes, with that as their yes. capital. And so. the Iraqi troops, well, a combination of Iraqi troops, um, militia troops, and Kurdish troops, and Syrian Arab troops have take, taken this Syrian um, uh, city back. Uh, major milestone, no question about it, uh, you, uh, a major setback. So, but, so their territory has shrunk from roughly the size of the United Kingdom, which is what they held at their peak, down to something that people think is about the size of Connecticut. But they still have mm-hmm. territory the size of Connecticut, so it's not yeah, they're not yeah, gone. Right. And they've they've morphed and expanded some of their territory, some of their operations into Africa. For example, there was just a videotape over the weekend of some um, uh, ISIS fighters in the Congo appealing for fighters to come to the Congo to to fight. So it's not it's 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 not gone, but it is greatly greatly weakened. It is no longer the the the, the beacon. The significance is that they people actually thought that they could establish this caliphate. Yes. That this could be the place where they could go live out their lives according to Sharia law. Well, that is no longer a possibility. So Libya is also another base. Yes, operations throughout northern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, these four Green Berets were killed in Niger. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm yeah. not really Niger, sure. Yeah. Niger. Um, what are we doing Former in French. Niger? Uh, we have counterinsurgency operations in, in Niger against uh, Al Qaeda and Al Qaeda. And I mean, uh, ISIS and ISIS-like forces, uh, as well as uh, um, um, Boko, Boko Haram. Oh, Boko Thank Haram. you, Boko Haram. Yeah. Who, who spills over into Niger as well? So, yeah. We just don't hear much about that. No, you don't. It's all it's all special ops. So it's not um, sort of it's not uh, certainly not not combat troops. And that's who was killed. Uh, these four special operations officers and, and soldiers. Any idea where else or how many other countries we have? Somalia, specialized? Uh, some um, in the outskirts of Yemen. Yemen? Yeah, Yemen? The, yeah, there's about uh, half a dozen countries in in. Uh, Northern Africa and in the Middle East, where we have special operation forces operating, besides Iraq and and Syria. You um, have a lot of friends I know at the uh, at the State Department. Um, the recent New Yorker profile about uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who indicates yeah. he knows uh, there are all these positions unfilled, including many ambassadorships. Yeah, uh, and he says he doesn't want to fill them, doesn't intend to fill them, right? Don't need them. This is one of the more bizarre aspects of the Trump administration. You know, he's now made a record. I don't know if you saw this in the paper today. He's now made the record for the for the taking the longest to appoint a science advisor. You know, so it's not just the State Department, but he's definitely not filling key positions that have been the normal positions one would fill. And in the State Department, it seems to be a combination of Trump's 
lack of interest, the Bannon influence, which still exists, that he wants to take down the deep state. Well, what's the deep state? State Department, intelligence <laughs> services. Yeah. In other words, career civil servants. He thinks of these people as the enemy. Um, plus, uh, loyalty tests. So Tillerson has has, oh. has given nominations uh, to people that have been blocked uh, at the White House. You know, some people, a person I would not want to see in the State Department, but Tillerson nominated Elliot Abrams, uh, the Iraq yeah, War right. ha hawk, uh, uh, to be his deputy. Uh, that was blocked because uh, of Abrams' criticisms of Trump as a candidate. So there's things like that going on. But then it couples with, with Tillerson's management style. And this is what the New Yorker piece goes into. This is pretty much the way he operated ExxonMobil. It was a small clique of people at the top with not a lot of communication with the wider operation and all kind of a pyramid mm -hmm. and spilled down. And when they would do meetings, Tillerson would be the only one who would talk. That's the way he seems to treat the State Department, that he doesn't need undersecretaries and assistant secretaries, that they're, they're just there to pull the levers, he'll give the orders, and everything should move smoothly. Well, and many of our ambassador posts around oh, yeah. Around the world, unfilled, right? South so Korea, for example, a key <laughs> post. We do not have an ambassador to South Korea, somebody you would want coordinating with the ally most affected by the North Korea situation. Oh, we don't have one. There was a report a month ago. I, I actually congratulated Victor Cha, um, a Republican who was going to be, who was said to be ready to be nominated for this position. He'd be excellent. He he really knows the, this this situation could be terrific. In the post, he's a career, nothing, career diplomat. Or no, was, no, no, no. He's at uh, he's my fellow professor at Georgetown University. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. He's a real he's a Korean expert. Um, but no, not not a peep. Nothing's moved. No paper. No nomination. Everything is at, at best slow motion in this administration. So we now have. Um, and is it a case that these ambassadors have not been nominated or have not been confirmed? Have not been nominated. Not, no, that's right. where the holdup is. It's not. It's not in the confirmation process. You know, um, they, the, m most of his nominations eventually get get approved, although not necessarily with uh, with uh, Democratic votes. So um, John, there's just one yesterday, for matter of fact. John Huntsman as is yes in, as China, right? Uh, I was just Soviet Union. Oh, I'm sorry, so, I mean Russia. 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 Sorry. Wow. wow. Showing Last my age. From the past, huh? <laughs> now. Yeah, well, you got me right. talking history. No, he was China. He was China. That's it. Okay. He was China, and he just now got, it's Russia. Uh, uh, Russia. I think he's been approved to go to Moscow. Right. Yeah, and uh, I know they ago. were supposed to vote this That's week on choice. the most important ambassadorship of all. Uh, which is the ambassador to the Vatican. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Do we know? Did Callista get did. confirmed? She, she did. Confirmed. Oh, all right. Oh, got well, the good, news about, got the good news about that is hopefully she'll take Newt with her wow, and get him, the, get him the hell Please. out of town. Put him on Italian TV. I don't want to wish that on the Italians. Uh, no, seriously. You've never seen no. Italian TV? Get in perfectly. <laughs> As a producer, it is the easiest booking in the world to book Newt Gingrich, and he'll come on and talk about anything. <laughs> yes, he'll talk about That's anything. True. Yeah, like they have him talk about the flag controversy. They'll have him to come on and talk about you know North Korea. He yeah. just it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was talking about that. How dare these players take? Do you realize how much money they make? Yeah. 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 So uh, just one, I want to go back to. His, ISIS, just for a second. Yeah, yes, sure. you may. Yeah, you may. Yeah, real we got quick. Time. Go ahead. So this this actually is a major defeat for ISIS, but it, it actually could spell some bad news for the Middle East 
because a lot of the uh, fighting, the conflicts that, that have been suppressed over a unity drive to get rid of ISIS. And now those are going to reemerge. Oh. And you just saw that this weekend as Iraqi troops retook uh, Kirkuk, the Kurdish um, oh, yeah. town that the yeah. Kurd, Kurdish militia had seized as the site of oil fields in their in that in that Kurdish run uh, province. And so the Kurd um, Iraq conflict, Kurd Iran, Kurd Tur- Turkey, that's firing. Fi- we're going to flare back up again. Sunni Shia differences. So unfortunately, some of these differences that have been well tamped down might reemerge mm-hmm. as ISIS is removed. from. Plus, the we are left then with this conundrum, it seems to me. Uh, if we do manage to get on, you know, I'm not saying put this ISIS thing behind us because I think no, we no, never yeah. will, but certainly tamp that down. Then we're still left with Bashar al-Assad. Exactly. Uh, in a stronger position than ever as president of Syria. Right. And, and now, our position for the last eight years was, eight years, almost eight years, is he's got to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not going. No. He's not going. Now the fight will be over the territory of Syria. Who who gets this territory now? Who holds it exactly? Right. And so, Russia so, on the side of us. Yeah, they're saying it's it's his, right? I yeah. Mean, so yeah. in Syria, you will have all these ethnic elements, people who live there, plus the Iranians, plus the Russians, plus the Americans. So this could get ugly. Helping us sort it all out on the world front, Joe Sirianni from the Plaza Fund. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Bob. Always good to see you. Great all to right. be here. America's first, America first, yeah. not so much. Not so much. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Esther Lee from Think Progress on the latest on the travel ban, sanctuary cities, and all that kind of good stuff. Stay tuned. Lots more coming up. To have the, the president of the United States, deaths of these heroes for political gain is simply unacceptable. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And here we go, rolling along on this uh, Wednesday, October 18, uh, the Bill Press Show. Wrapping up here with some important information about the latest on the immigration front. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., coast to coast. And uh, we are... Brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Gerard. Yes, indeed, the one and only, a a great leader, a labor leader in this country, uh, leading the United Steelworkers, America's largest industrial union, representing 1.2 million active and retired members. Salute them, thank them for the support of the program, and welcome to our studio, Esther Lee from uh, Think Progress, covering all... uh, Related immigration issues. Hello, Esther. Hello. Nice. Always good to see me. you. Thanks for coming back in. Uh, story we've been talking about this morning. We know that um, it started uh, in the Rose Garden uh, on Monday when uh, Donald Trump asserted wrongly that uh, he's the only president who has called uh, Gold Star families, families of uh, American soldiers who were killed in combat. Uh, that immediately brought a rebuke from President Bush, 
President Clinton, President Obama. Uh, he followed that up um, yesterday by making a call to uh, the widow of one of the Green Berets who was killed uh, um, about 10 days ago in Niger, the Sergeant uh, La David Johnston. Uh, and in the car with the widow was Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, who says that Donald Trump made a very cold and insensitive comment to the widow. Uh, here's the Congresswoman last night with Don Lemon on CNN. Well, basically he said, um, well, I guess he knew what he signed up for. But I guess it still hurts. Hmm. That's what he said. In other words, uh, yeah, he knew what he was getting in for, but maybe it still oh hurts. So, I like, mean, by the way, how insensitive. Th- this this cold. This morning, there is a saga playing out because Donald Trump tweeted. Then, yeah, here's Democratic, the latest. Democratic Congresswoman totally fabricated what I said to the wife of a soldier who died in action. Parentheses, and I have proof. Sad. Frederica Wilson has gone on TV this morning. She's been on uh, MSNBC and CNN. And on CNN, she said, responded to his tweets, and quote, I don't know what kind of proof he could be talking about. I'm not the only person that was in the car, and I have proof, too. This man is a sick man. He's cold-hearted, and he feels no pity or sympathy for anyone, end quote. Well, this is also a man who made fun of John McCain, right? Yeah. And a man who attacked a Gold Star family uh, during the campaign, con. the exactly. con, right? It's because he, he because they dared appear at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, so he's got I a history. I have proof, too. This man is a sick man. There she is. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, you know, but what it is, again, it's, a, it's going to be a, 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 an ongoing controversy of Donald Trump's own creation. He, it's a self-inflicted wound. He should... On Monday, all he should have said was, of course, I grieve for these families. I have written letters to them. They're going to be mailed tonight, and I intend to call each of these families, period. It's that simple. Exactly. (laughs) Shut it down. Period. Yeah, just right. But instead, he's got to go on and, first of all, attack every other president for not doing it, which was just demonstrably, demonstrably not true. And now this phone call. And you know what? I bet you there's a recording of this phone call from somebody (laughs) in that car. And Donald Trump's going to be wrong again. And then Kellyanne Conway will be out defending him in some with some BS. I, it's just, I, it just, it's Sarah Huckabee so, Sanders will defend him. It's so gross, like that we're having to have this whole conversation about like what did Trump actually, say? like the fact that this is the president of the United States. It's disgusting that he's out there bragging about what he said and how great his words. But you know what were. they'll do? They'll attack like, her, Frederica Wilson. Oh, sure. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Even though, like you said, there probably is a recording. I think that people know by now that yeah. you should always record your conversations when you're having a conversation with the president. Uh, certainly this president. He will yeah. He will attack her personally. That's his MO, right? Personal yeah. attacks, ridiculing her because she wears that hat. Uh, by, which <laughs> He's going to make fun of that hat. Is dumb anyway. But anyway. And then I'll bet you he was, he's not beyond attacking the widow. If the widow confirms what the congressman said, oh my God. Well, he'll, he attacked, he'll attack her. If, if he, he attacked Khan, you know, yeah. he will attack this widow yeah. as well. He's not mm. beyond. Yeah, that is the latest, uh, but um, not the last uh, that you will have heard this for is this. Unfortunate. Well, Esther, where do we start? Um, so three times now. Let's start here. Donald Trump has tried to carry through with his ban on all Muslims coming into this country, <laughs> right? 
All and Muslims plus Venezuela plus. and North Korea this time around. Yeah. Um, and, and for the third time, a judge has said, nope, <laughs> can't do that. I love this guy. I've given him a nickname, Daresome Derek. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't appreciate that. But, you know, I, I do think that it's it's ridiculous. And I think that the more times that the president comes out with a travel ban, the more people realize, Americans realize that this is ridiculous. We don't ban countries based on nationality, based on religion. We base them based, we ban people based on security threats. And so far, none of these countries have really proved to be security threats to America. The uh, attorney general from Hawaii, uh, Douglas Chin, does this judge was a Hawaii judge right. who, who, uh, who, who blocked this travel ban yesterday. But the attorney general from Hawaii just coming out, I think he's really speaking, pardon me, he's speaking for Hawaii, but I think he's speaking for all Americans in his comments. This executive order goes against everything that the state of Hawaii stands for, which is diversity, inclusivity, uh, just aloha. I mean, just, just everything um, that is what ma makes um, Hawaii so special. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, it stands, it's against everything this country stands for. Absolutely. And if we've learned any lesson at all from World War II and the internment of Japanese Americans, it's that we don't do this to to people who have families in other countries who are trying to come in, visitors and immigrants, you know, people like refugees who worked really hard to go through that entire process to come into this country. We just don't do that. And I, I hope that Trump realizes this at some point and stops tweeting all these stupid things um, to get himself, uh, you know, even into deeper but but, but but this is one he really does seem you know determined to pull, mm -hmm. as I said this is the third time they've had to go back and rewrite this thing uh, they'll probably appeal this decision again right and well, come up with some I, different I guess, version I guess what really infuriates me about this particular ban and and the decision that comes with it is that we're banning North Korea the people who are escaping from North Korea are the ones who really really you know, knew the consequences of escaping. They knew that their families back in North Korea would have been killed if they were found out to have escaped. Um, and banning those people is just so wrong. It's just we're denying their humanity by not letting people escape and not letting people have an avenue to say, here, we're offering you protection. America has always been a land of opportunity. It's always been a land of protection. How and we're not they, doing that. But how do they escape North Korea? I believe that there are, you know, just like the Rio Grande River, you know, there are certain openings on the river between yeah, just was thinking, the border with China. Maybe with China, because yeah. certainly the border with South Korea is so heavily yep. fortified, you know, the demilitarized so-called zone, yeah. right? And also, and, like, even into China, like, once you get to China, a lot of these people will turn around and traffic you. So, like, sure. if you're able to even escape yeah. that and come to America, you should be, I don't know, received with love. That's really it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, 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 we haven't focused that much on North right. Korea. Focus more on the Muslim countries, right? Right. So um, a month or so ago, uh, the president announced that uh, he was not going to continue the DACA program. He was <laughs> going to pull the plug on the DACA program. Well, kind of, but really just send it to Congress and let them decide whether they're going to continue this or not. Give them six months to do so. I don't know, what's it been, six weeks or so? What's going on? Um, Has Congress acted and they've 
They've passed legislation and put it on this desk. Congress has not acted, which is not unusual, right? It is not surprising. Um, But I think that what Trump did when he announced this six weeks ago was that he started a chain of six months of anxiety for DACA recipients, these kids who were brought to this country who were given temporary uh, work authorization and deportation relief in two-year increments. You know, these people, a lot of them had to scramble to apply for DACA. And remember, like a few weeks ago, we had the hurricanes in, in Florida and in uh, Texas and the PR. Mm-hmm. So it left a lot of people, something like 32,000 people um, who qualified to apply for DACA within the six month period. They couldn't apply. Oh, and that's a, that's nationwide. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not yeah. entirely sure what the statistics are for just right. Texas and Florida and mm. the PR, but I'm sure it's. A but they couldn't amount. get in because they were otherwise preoccupied. You mean, or that <laughs> otherwise preoccupied with a hurricane? Yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and what Congress is now doing, and I think that there is a bipartisan effort to make Dreamer legislation the top priority. Um, especially for the Democrats, this is one of their top priorities, if not the top priority right now, to find a permanent fix for DREAMers. And I think that uh, some Republicans are on board with this. Right now we have about six different bills going on. We have the RAC Act, which is the Recognizing America's Children's Act, which is sponsored by Republicans. That would um, give legal status at some point to undocumented DREAMers. Um, there's the Clean Dream Act, which is just, you know, legal pathway to citizenship mm-hmm. after like four or five years. You know, you get to go on that path uh, to become a green card member first and then and then um, citizenship, uh, which is what Democrats are pushing. And then you have these various other ones where you have to like go serve in the military, like the Enlist Act. And, uh, you know, there's just so many bills. And the clock runs until March, correct? March 5th, 2018. Correct. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't want to get too wistful about the soul of this country, right? <laughs> because we have some pretty dark parts of our soul. Indeed. But one of the things that I thought, th- th- this isn't necessarily DACA related, but uh, I- I'll get there. But when the travel ban went into effect and you saw the people showing up at the airports mm-hmm. to protest and to say, this is wrong, this is not who we are as a country, I think a lot of elected officials saw what they were in for if they acted with the president in this way, right? Like, there are a lot of Americans, very vocal Americans, who will say, like, we are a nation of immigrants. We allow immigrants to come here, and we don't lock them up and send them back or yep. whatever. And I and I think that, honestly, a little bit, a little bit has gotten through to even Republican senators, especially to yeah. where, like, if they come out and they are on the side of, taking children away from their families or sending people, rounding them up and sending them back home to face who knows, that that's going to be a stain on their political legacy. It's really bad optics to send children back to their countries. And also I think that in Dreamers, a lot of Americans can see either themselves or their, their parents or their grandparents, you know, this like this gusto to work hard and, you know, achieve right. your dreams and really succeed in this country. So, like, to say that we want to deport dreamers would be saying, well, I kind of want to deport my parents. Okay, right. So then right after he sent this uh, over Congress, Donald Trump started talking about maybe I can make a deal, <laughs> right, w- yes, on the, with the dreamers, on, with Chuck and Nan, with Nanchuck. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy. And their infamous Chinese dinner, right, yeah, Chinese it, takeout dinner. Right, right exactly. So then uh, some Republicans in Congress said, wait a minute, what are you doing dealing with these Democrats? 
And then the Trump White House, written by Steve, I'm sure, uh, written by Stephen Definitely Miller, Steve Miller, comes out with his list of the non-negotiable border security, yep. uh, loosely defined measures that have to be inc- included in this, including money for the wall, which Donald Trump said would not be included. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> For your listeners out there, I'm, I'm rubbing my head because yeah. it's just such a frustrating thing. But doesn't this just negate the whole possibility of a deal? I mean, there's no way that Democrats, even a lot of Republicans, would go along with that list. It's a dumb wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we know this. Right. And I think that a lot of Republicans understand this, too. And Democrats have said, and a lot of operatives that I've talked to have said, that the wall is a non-starter. First of all, it's a huge waste of money. Second of all, it's not necessary. And, like, third, have has the government not heard of tunnels. If people really wanted to come to America, mm-hmm. they would use tunnels, right? Or air travel or any of these other means. Um, the wall is, it's physically what, you know, like President Trump would use to say that he wants border security and that's what you physically can see. But that's not necessarily the best way to make use of American t- taxpayers' money to really secure the border. But again, does that negate the chances of a, of a, of a deal? I think that uh, the White House is very non-negotiable about the wall, and I also think that the Democrats are very non-negotiable about having a wall. Yeah, so... So uh, there, there probably will not be a deal happening. I don't know. I'm very... I try to be optimistic about this, even though it's hard to be, because Democrats are very rigid in one way, Republicans are very rigid in another way, and if you can't come together on basically what's... The easiest part of immigration reform, which is the dreamers, then I don't know if we could ever have an immigration deal. And if Congress doesn't act by March 5, then the program's over. The program's over. But if you think about it, the harm is already happening now, as one strategist told me. Right. Like the harm is happening now because if you look at a lot of these dreamers, they're already working. They're already out in the workforce. Their employers are probably thinking, well, your time's up. What's the point of me even retaining you as a worker, right? So for every day that you are, that these people are not in the workforce, we're losing out on on their, you know, on their ability to contribute to this country. Yeah. Uh, so have you written an also part of this continuing effort on Donald Trump crackdown on what do you call, but again loosely defined border security? Mm-hmm. Um, planning planning on creating more detention centers or opening more detention centers? <laughs> well. As President Trump promised, he would like to deport probably two million people. That's what he told CBS uh, right after he was right after he was elected. Um, and in order to make that happen, you know, like we have seen all of these immigration raids happening sporadically throughout the nine months that he's been in office. Where are you going to keep these people? Detention centers are already very full with our current population of immigrants, who many of whom are waiting for to get through the backlog of the court cases. Um, and where are you going to keep these people who are you are recently detaining from the interior of the United States, right? And if we don't have the space, we're going to keep building space, and this is why private prison uh, companies are making so much money now, right? It's because President Trump has promised to build up the mm. private prison industry, and this is, this is how the, he's banking on, you, on uh, it. And what about the kids? Um, are they in these detention centers? A lot of the kids who are coming from, uh, not the Dreamers, from yeah. what I understand. No, no, I, I'm talking about the border kids, like the border. Central American kids. Yeah, right. They are still coming. Unaccompanied minors or yep. whatever they're called. They're still coming, but from what I understand, they are being placed in foster care facilities. 
um, a lot of these facilities are government run and a lot of these have been contracted with private organizations. Uh, a lot of them are religious in nature. Uh, the issue of sanctuary cities is related as well. This is another front, yes, right? Absolutely. It's, I think that it's already bad optics for us to use the word sanctuary cities because it seems like we aren't protecting immigrants, but we're actually letting immigrants uh, loose on the streets and committing crimes, right? That's what the whole denotation of sanctuary cities is, is for. Um, but in reality, when you explain what sanctuary cities are to people, they actually can agree with the principles, right? Sanctuary cities, the whole purpose of it is for local police to determine whether or not they want to collaborate with federal immigration agencies um, to say whether or not they want to detain that particular suspected undocumented immigrant. Now, it doesn't make any Stop sense. Stop them, ask for their papers, right. risk of whatever. Uh, solely because they happen to have a brown skin exactly. and you suspect that they may be here illegally. They've committed no crime, done nothing wrong, not disturbed the peace, exactly. nothing, right? It's just, uh, again, who they look like. Exactly. Like law it's enforcement total officials. Total racial profile. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, like law enforcement officials, they don't want to wade into that territory, right? Many of them don't anyway. And it makes sense because you also don't want to be mired in these lawsuits when you could be actually pursuing real criminals out there. Um, and if you look at many of these so-called sanctuary cities, New York City, Los Angeles, uh, some of these places, Austin, t Texas, they're very safe. And that's in part because immigrants feel like they can trust the police in those cities to report crimes. You want people to be able to approach a police officer and report crimes, right? For, for these immigrants to think, have to think twice before they report crimes or before they report domestic violence it's incidents. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't serve anybody when criminals are at large and um, you go after the low-hanging fruit, who, the immigrants who have broken taillights. Right. Uh, so this whole issue keeps popping up. Uh, Jeff Sessions has made this a priority. Absolutely. Uh, cutting off all federal funds to <laughs> any sanctuary city, right? Right. Uh, he said. Uh, and it's uh, popped up again in a governor's race in uh, New Jersey. New Jersey and in Virginia, both of oh, them. In Virginia. Oh, yep. that's oh right. God, I've heard the, the one in right. yep. the Virginia oh. one is just ugly, ugly, where Ed Gillespie accusing um, Ralph Northam of, in effect, again, uh, coddling serious killers, criminals, and MS-13 gang. It's MS the Willie Horton the, ad it all really over is. again. It, it is. absolutely is. And the sad part is it might work. It might work. Absolutely. There were right. polls that came out yesterday. The mm -hmm. polls have definitely tightened in Virginia. I mean, if you are a voter in Virginia and you don't realize what's going on, you better get active pretty <laughs> quickly because you do not want Ed Gillespie as your as your governor. Mm -mm. Uh, and also up in uh, so Virginia and New Jersey where Qu Kim uh, Guadano, uh, who has the anchor around her neck, right, or Chris right. Christie, Chris Christie's <laughs> lieutenant governor, uh, she is fighting back with a very ugly ad she released yesterday against uh, Bill Murthy, M Murphy. Uh, let's listen to it and then uh, get your reaction. Illegal alien and child rapist Jose Carranza shot four New Jersey students in the head. Three died, shattering their families. When asked about deporting criminal illegals, Phil Murphy said, My bias is going to be having their back. Make no mistake, Murphy will have the backs of deranged murderers like Carranza providing sanctuary in New Jersey. Will be a sanctuary, not just city, but state. Murphy doesn't have our backs. He has theirs. Phil Murphy, too dangerous for New Jersey.
I will say this. She did a really good job of editing his comments and taking it yeah. out of context. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Right. If you were to look at the full clip, he was talking about dreamers. He was talking about the undocumented population. He was not necessarily talking about criminal immigrants. Um, it's I obviously, you know, as a journalist, I can't endorse anybody, but that is a false ad. And that's something that is definitely going to scare voters into being fearful of immigrants, maybe not voting for her or voting for her, I don't know, but they are definitely going to look at immigrants as though they are criminals. And that is a myth that has been spread throughout the years to um, just incite all of this violence and all of the, this hatred against immigrants, right? Like studies have shown over and over again, immigrants commit fewer crimes than native born Americans. And there's a reason for that. Why would you want to become a legal immigrant uh, in this country, or even why would you want to bring your crimes out into the open? Um, you know, like, why would you want to commit crimes is what I mean, when you could be working hard to, you know, pay for your family's finances. Right. Um, and it doesn't make sense for immigrants to commit crimes either, because it would put them on a pathway to deportation. They no, didn't I mean, come. Obviously, some of them, like some of any population is going to break the law, exactly. right? are going to break exactly. the law, some of them. But but they're going to be very, very, most of them are going to be very, very, very careful not to even run a traffic light, exactly. right? Yeah. Because they know the consequences. Exactly. Yeah. Consequences very are huge. Severe. So, oh, the problems continue, the battles continue, but Esther Lee, you were there on top of it all. Um, thank you so much for your good work. Thanks for coming in. Great Thanks to see you. Hey, that wraps it for today, folks. And the rest of the day is all yours. Make the most of it, and then come on back and see us. This right here is the tomorrow. Bill Press Show.